Hello, and welcome to Lifetimes of Learning, a production at the Buddhist Discussion Centre Australia. In our podcast series, we'll be discussing the teachings and principles of Buddha Dharma, which is just as relevant today as they were 2,600 years ago. In this podcast, we will cover a teaching written by the Buddhist Discussion Centre Australia called The Fertility of Praise and Blame. Wherever you are, we invite you to bring your mind inside and listen to the teachings of the Buddha. Namo Tassa Bhagavato Arahato Sama Sambuddhasa Summary This article describes some of the common games we tend to play in life that cause us to suffer and the antidotes Buddha taught to stop playing these games. Attributing praise and blame is one of those games which wastes life, energy and brings suffering. The antidotes to all the games are through the Buddha Dharma path. Cultivate a more beneficial, proactive mind that responds to our experiences in life with awareness, positivity, accountability, maturity, equanimity and non-judgment. The Futility of Praise and Blame The teachings of the Buddha are based on the Four Noble Truths and the law of dependent origination within a framework of cause and effect to deliver 84,000 methods of framing aspects of how the mind-body complexes we call sentient beings move from one rebirth to another over vast amounts of time experiencing pleasant but mainly unpleasant feelings. This mass of experience can be expressed as being separated from what we wish to experience and having to experience what we wish not to experience again and again, life after life, dwelling in circumstances we want perhaps once every 10 millions life only to have to surrender that pleasant state without the possibility of holding a good rebirth twice in a row. Separation from the pleasant and meeting with the unpleasant is the norm of existence. These types of complex happenings and many more processes in God, Deva, human and animal births and deaths, for example, are summarized by a formulation of the first noble truth as life is suffering. Very few persons can grasp this truth in any life, yet alone remember it over a series of lives. This noble truth is nothing to do with the pessimism or a dark outlook on life. It is a form of wisdom because it states a series of problems we all know. By itself, it is not much. But when there is a learning situation, it can lead to the understanding of the complement of the other three noble truths. A truth is noble if it can be used to solve the problem of your own troubles. The second noble truth is the cause of the suffering is attachment. The third noble truth is there is a way out of suffering. The fourth noble truth is that the way out of the suffering is the Buddha Dharma path. This Buddha Dharma path is the eightfold path. So where are you today on the Buddha Dharma path? 
unless we are crazy, we all wish to reduce at least our own suffering. One way that the teachings show us to reduce suffering is by ceasing to attribute praise or blame either to self or others. To reduce suffering, we have to stop playing games. Lama Yeshi commented in the publication Wisdom Energy that the thirst thing to do when involved in a painful relationship with someone or something is to remember that reacting negatively never helps at all. Feeling sorry for yourself, acting defensively and expressing hostility accomplish nothing. They only make you more nervous and upset. Thinking dispassionately about your past experiences will convince you this is true. As negative thoughts and feelings lead only to immediate and future suffering, it is important to adopt a more beneficial way of reacting. Lama Yeshi thus noted that instead of giving in to sorrow and hatred, look closely to what is happening within and without you and caution yourself. Wait a moment. Calm down. This too will pass. If you can hold off expressing your anger for even a few seconds, your mind will clear a little by itself. In this more reasonable state, you can approach the situation much more skillfully. Remember that there must be a cause for what is happening now. The psychiatrist Dr. Eric Byrne is the originator of transactional analysis. He also identified games we like to play. Byrne claims that there are three types of human ego states. One, the state that derived from the parental figure, called parent. In this state, he or she feels, thinks, acts, talks, and responds just as one of his or her parent did when he or she was little. This ego state may be active when raising his or her children, for example. Number two, the adult ego state. He or she appraises the environment objectively, calculates possibilities and probabilities from past experience. The adult functions like a computer. Number three, the child ego state. This is the little boy or girl we carry within us. Byrne points out that it is important for us to understand the child we carry within us because it is going to be with us all of our life. When two people confront each other, there are six ego states involved, three in each person. Transactions usually proceed in series. These series are not random, but are programmed and may come from one of the three sources, parent, adult or child, or more generally from society material or idiosyncrasy. An ego state may be described phenomenologically as a coherent system of feelings and operationally as a set of coherent behavior patterns or in more practical terms as a system of feelings accompanied by a related set of behavior patterns. Byrne classifies the games into families according to the situations in which they most commonly occur, life games, marital games, party games, sexual games, and underworld games. 
then come a section for professionals on consulting room games, and finally, some examples of good games. There is a thesis for each game, and most importantly, an antithesis. For example, the life game sees what you made me do, and what you got me into this. The aim of this game is vindication, and it is easily acquired by children. The antithesis is to leave the player alone or to throw the decision back. In severe cases, the antithesis should be put into competent, professional hands. Another popular game is "Why don't you?" Yes, but it can be played by any number. This list goes on. We act with will, chitana, of some sort or other. The existential position is: I am blameless. We will inherit the fruits of our actions sooner or later. The statement of the law of karma that is regularly chanted by our members says: I am the owner of my karma, heir to my karma, born of my karma, related to my karma, live with my karma. Whatever karma I shall do, whether good or evil, that shall be inherited. For example, if we bend the truth, we will get bad advices. What then is the antidote to inheriting the results of bad actions? Byrne writes in the final chapter of his book, "Game People Play." The somber picture presented in this book, in which human life is mainly a process of filling in time until the arrival of death. Or Santa Claus, with very little choice, if any, of what kind of business one is going to transact during the long wait, is commonplace, but not the final answer. For certain fortunate people, there is something which transcends all classifications of behavior, and that is awareness, something which rises about the programming of the past, and that is. Spontaneity and something that is more rewarding than games, and that is intimacy. But all three of these may be frightening and even perilous to the unprepared. These persons with this awareness are bodies that first disliked. All these games belong to samsara. Life is suffering. The fourth noble truth. The noble eightfold path, as told by the Lord Buddha, is the antithesis to suffering and shows the way out of samsara. The antidote to any of those games that really are no fun at all is given in the noble eightfold path. Number one, right view, samadhi. Number two, right thought or right concentration, samasankapa. Number three, right speech, sama vacha. Number four, right conduct, sama kamanta. Number five, right livelihood, sama ajiva. Number six, right effort, sama vayama. Number seven, right mindfulness, sama sati. Number eight, right contemplation, sama samadhi. We cease to be mad, bad, or sad when we practice 
the Noble Eightfold Path. This is the path to sanity. What kind of day are you having today? Are you having a good day? Could you be having a better day? Have you been helpful to others? Could you have been less helpful to others? And what about the guy next door, or your mother, your sister, or brother? To answer any of these questions requires you to make judgments about yourself or others, to pat yourself or others on the back, or to be harsh towards yourself or others. Either way, you are wasting your life energy and robbing yourself of your sanity. How much energy have you wasted today in doing this? Whatever you have done today is driven by past karma. The self that created and causes for whatever you have done or did not do today no longer exists. So, what are you judging? Where is the sanity in this, and why make judgments about others? What mind are you using to make these judgments? Why do you keep doing this? The proactive mind is the antithesis of the reactive mind. The reactive mind is very pre- prevalent in our society. Many people go through life with one barely aware, if at all, of its negative, stunting nature. The reactive mind is the mind that springs defensively into anger when being when the being who has it is justly criticized, even by those who have their best interest at heart. It is resistant to change. And is the source of persistence with much in the individual and the world, which is timely for improvement. The vocabulary of the reactive mind includes words like "I can't," "It's too hard," "It's not fair," "It's their fault," "I don't know," "Why me?" "I tried," and maybe later, and similar such words which belie an attitude. Of non-committal and procrastination, it is the mind which will blame anyone but itself for the grief it may come to. Essentially, it is a childish mind, which is selfish and small, and can be indeed quite irresponsible. The proactive mind is mature, responsible, positive. It is positive about itself and its potential. And the potential of others, it is the mind of the leader, the initiator, the individual who can initial himself or herself and others enthusiastically into actively directing change for the better. Taking initiative against the reactive mind, the proactive mind is sown and cultivated. In cultivating the proactive mind, the reactive one simply dies. Worldly conditions such as praise and blame, honor and dishonor, gain and loss, happiness and unhappiness, are pairs which, when one comes, the other may follow. 
The Buddha proclaimed that every low desire, every longing for ignoble things, every unworthy feeling that we conquer and trample down, and every difficulty we meet heroically and victoriously with righteousness according to the rules of morality becomes another run on the ladder by which we can climb towards a nobler, higher life. In the Theravadan texts, we find the Brahmajala is the first sutta of the Diganikaya. The Buddha begins his discourse by advising the monks that in the face of both praise and blame, they should respond with equanimity. May you realize the fertility of reacting to praise and accepting blame. May you cultivate your proactive mind. May you actively direct change for the better in your life. May you be well and happy. This script was written and edited by John D. Hughes, Julian Benford, Lian Ames, Evelyn Hawes, Clara and Quinito, Anita Sevenson, and Penny White. This concludes the teaching of the fertility of praise and blame. Thank you for listening to our Lifetimes of Learning podcast. To listen to our other recordings, please go to our website www.bdcu.org.au and click on Dharma Teachings. Or you can go to our online World Buddhist Radio station from our website by clicking on Buddhist Radio. May you be well and happy. May all beings be well and happy.